0: Talk about a couple of more albums. Um, the Totally Connected album '79, you guys were really dapper looking on that cover. It was kind of a, a change in the aesthetic, at least visually. And that album had uh, the great title track, which was really funky. Um, I Like Funkin' With You, uh, Born to Boogie, those are just a few samples. Yeah. Uh, you guys went for a different look and a little bit of a different sound, or what was happening then?
1: um I th- that was I th- that was the first album that, that Theo produced. I'm just going to put some
0: power and I need to plug the power into my laptop. Well, be- before we get back into that answer, you know, when you tell me how the producers impacted what you guys did, I would have loved to have heard some of the raw takes that you guys did.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I know that some of those recordings are on some old cassettes and old reel to reels. Um, but, um, yeah, the thing is to get the devices that can play them back and to locate them. I know a lot of stuff is here in my dungeon. Um, but, yeah, um, there were a lot of changes. And, you know, as we actually, when we went to Capitol, <clears throat> the, the producer that we had, um, he ended up, um, he was quite an incredible musician. And um, he ended up as the band leader for, was it American Idol? a guy by the name of Ray Chu. He was also the keyboard player for uh, a group called Ashford and Simpson. Hmm. Um, and um, so he, when we connected with him and we did our first album with Capital, um, he, he enhanced what we had. And, um, you know, you have some of the producers that enhanced, that were an en- enhancement and there were others that just changed it all together.
0: Well, you guys kind of came out on fire, I think. The first Capitol album was Everything is Cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, And it, and it was real cool. Um, the title cut was great. Uh, Groove City was a really cool funk jam. Um, so when you changed, first changed the labels, did you guys feel reinvigorated in some way?
1: Yeah, because um, there were some things that, that um, shifted that were positive. Um, from what we had with TK. You know, TK uh, was, a, was a smaller label and, and also music was shifting them too. Um, so we, we ended up with, and we had a new manager, um, and he, he basically was, was shopping around to get the deal that he wanted. I mean, like he knew that he would get us a deal. Uh, he, found his, he found a loophole to get us um, off of TK. Which at the time that's what we we were seeking to do, um, and so he had you know, because he has connections with Motown and all those labels, but there were certain certain provisions in the contract that he wanted sorted out um, that um, he was able to to get with, um, with uh, capital.
0: Yeah. was well, so, definitely it. Was definitely a, kind of what's that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say it's definitely kind of a tricky period musically, uh, turn of the decade there, because disco was waning, yeah, um, and uh, electronics were coming in big, and you know you guys had to kind of navigate through that, especially because you did have your foot in some of the disco stuff, um, but you successfully seemed to navigate it and continue on.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite the, the transition because, like you say, it was pretty much the end of of, of disco and um, it was moving on into new new movement, and the electronics were coming in, and you know we had that duo that came out that turned out to not actually be singing, um, that was mining. You know, everything, it, it came down into superficial rather than music. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like how you looked, uh, more so than how you sounded, uh, which is exemplified by that, was it Nilly Vanilli? Was that the name of those guys?
0: Yeah, that's the infamous duo.
1: So they exemplified the whole shift where it didn't, it didn't matter what you were playing. And then we started to, 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 to go into the deteriorate to the demise of bands and into just individual singers. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, where in order to find live drums, you have to look in deep into a gospel album. <laughs> so it's shifted big time.
0: Did you guys actually get into, you know, doing uh, music videos at that point? I know, you know, it was around the time in the early 80s when MTV came into vogue and how did that affect you?
1: No, we never, we never made it to that point. <laughs> uh, that never happened for us.
0: Is that why you stopped? You're like, we're not doing videos.
1: <laughs> no, well, you know, it, it was our contract with Capitol. Like I said, the music was shifting. And, um, like, with all of those, those label contracts, you have a certain time frame, and during that time, the label can decide to terminate it at any point. And um, after we did the "Take It to the Limit," they decided, "Well, guys, you know this is it. Um, we're not going to proceed any further with with this." And um, and then at that point, then Theo said he wanted to do some solo stuff, um, so he, he he did do some a solo album. Um, and um, it pretty much it just fizzled, and uh, we we then um, you know just moved on. I, I stayed at the recording studio that I was operating, and I ended up getting married at that time there too. Um, so I stayed operating that for like 13 years and uh, recording the local artists. And um, interesting, interesting. Uh, Thing that happened um, before they came out with MIDI, uh, musical instrument digital interface that we use now to hook keyboards into computers, still using that. Um, prior to that coming into existence, um, the sampling technology that allowed you to have like real strings and, uh, you know, real instruments in it. Um, in its infancy, that technology was very expensive and um, there were two companies I remember that the one fairlight was was the one that um, out of Australia was the one that that was sort of uh, leading the way but it was very limited and it was um, what we know technically as eight bit sound, which is very very low quality um, but that was you know what it was at the time, and um, the guy who operated the, the recording studio, who owned the studio that I that I worked at, um, he was quite wealthy at that time. This machine was thirty grand for that for everything. Wow. Heard about? it, He says, "Hey, I want that. Let's get that." And um, he got it. And um, there were very few that had it, and certainly we were the only ones in the Bahamas who had it. They didn't have one at Compass Point. And as you know, the Rolling Stones recorded there. And um, the, the Rolling Stones producer called us wanting to use, wanting to rent our Fairlight um, because, you know, so they wouldn't have to bring one in. And like I said, it was an expensive thing. It was already one in the Bahamas. Just a matter of flying it over to Nassau. <clears throat> and um, so they wanted to use it in Compass Point. But the deal that, that, that we were trying to do is to get them to come into our studio there because then that would give it the name, you know, like the Rolling Stones, and then the, then the floodgates open uh, for that. Um, but uh, they didn't go for that, and then they just ended up getting it elsewhere.
0: But by what year was that, Dave?
1: And that would have been that would have been. It was in the '80s. Um, that probably would have been about '84 80, or '85. Yeah. And um, in hindsight, what I would have would have done is to say to the owner, well, you know, just let me go over there with it because if they needed an operator, I can fly over there and we make the money. (laughs) You know, that would have been a great thing for me to have on my resume. (laughs) The the Rolling Stones, you know, it would have been a historical moment, but um, it didn't happen. And then, of course, within within like the next year and a half, two years, MIDI came out, and that thing was just uh, an oversized paperweight. I remember when we took it to dump it in the garbage and stuff
0: <laughs> <else>. <laughs> It's like it's like the old fax machines, right?
1: Yeah, I mean technology is unforgiving. It makes a jump. And it doesn't matter if you've got 30 grand in it and they've come up with something that's five hundred bucks, you're on your own. And when you're on your own, they drop they drop all of the support so you can use it <laughs> until it breaks down and if it needs parts, you're finished.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, um, the first Capital album, Everything is Cool, was really cool. The other three albums that came out after that, uh, Pure Natural, The Game of Life, and uh, Take It to the Limit, which you mentioned a couple of times, is there anything that you would like to, uh, any tracks on those that you want to kind of like highlight, you know, that, that listeners or people watching might want to go back and check out those particular albums for those particular songs because maybe they were sort of passed over?
1: Um. Yeah. Let me. Um, of course, I can't. I don't have them in front of me in the name of the songs. But um, well, me, if you name a song,
0: I could tell you which one it was on.
1: Well, well, I know that that uh, pure and natural had best of my love, which has turned out to be the crowd favorite. Um, that one is, has been the most most sustained one. Uh, then we have uh, paradise, um, which was on the first Capitol album. That one. That one is very is very uh, prominent. Very, um, a very classic, um, ethereal type of sort of like how Love Supreme is. You could call Mm -hmm. it a sequel to that. You know, it's the same kind of um, dreamy, um, where you takes your mind on a trip. Um, A little more love is another one that was that was uh, quite quite prominent. we also had um heaven in your eyes was a, more of a kind of an old influence like kind of a nat king cole kind of influence it was like a, a very traditional um type of sound that used that used the jazzy sound with um more pop classical chord progressions um, and then on the early album prisoner of my mind is kind of quite a classic and i think i would say that t sort of bare his soul on that one you listen to the lyrics on it you'll hear you'll hear the, the 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 very deep classical influences in it and as well as the elton john pop influence which was um quite um, that was quite a he was quite influential in and in what we did and the type of chord movements and, and the let yourself go is another one um that that used an island flair along with progressive chords there were quite a few
0: Uh, for uh funk lovers you said that the last one take it to the limit is pretty funky right so
1: yeah that that was quite funky it was um um you can hear sort of the james brown influence in the in the, the 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 lead sort of brassy line that's played in the synth There's some influence in it and um, it was that album was was pretty much pure funk and um but yeah like i said music shifted um it shifted from musicians to looks and um sound the magic that made groups like us and the commodores and all of that which was us Playing together and creating that sound um, just by us and the magic of us all together just went down the tubes and it just became sequencers and um, uh, programmers, which I ended up becoming one of. And I did a lot of that over here in the Bahamas, did a lot of jingles. Um, you know, you're playing. And playing everything and then, then as the loop technology evolved then you can just pull in whatever elements you want to very easily just drop them onto a timeline and it just adjusts it to the tempo and um, so you end up with you know cut and paste music that a lot of these hits that are out there now people can't play a lick of music they just know how to program and they know how to put certain fields together and make it work manipulate the computer basically
0: mm-hmm. Rather than the instrument, right. In the computer. You talked about a lot of those people that you ran into at the studios back in the day, and um, some of the guys that you uh, shared stages with. Is there any uh, show in particular that you recall, or or an incident while you were on the road or performing that was maybe unforgettable or funny, or maybe there's a malfunction or something that stands out?
1: Um. Let's see, we we also toured with with Bootsy Collins and Ray Parker Jr. and Radio, um, did some gigs with Average White Band, um, who also recorded in Compass Point. Um, Slave, I don't know if you remember Slave. You remember that?
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, we we did a concert with them. Um, One of the gigs that we did, the Capitol Center in Washington, D.C., we hadn't a clue, but I know somebody got shot there. (laughs) We found out afterwards. Um, we did in New Jersey. We did a gig uh, where the opening act was Dick Gregory. Remember him?
0: Yeah, he was a speaker. Yeah,
1: yeah. and you know, it was one of those sort of gigs where uh, the requirements are, you know, you pay fifty percent before the band um, goes, you know, in order to confirm the booking. And then before we go on stage, you pay the other 50%. And uh, we were we were all pumped up. And the guy said, well, you know, I, I have some money to collect after the show. And we'll pay you after the show. And it's like, man, are we going to do this? We're all pumped up to do it. And so we said, okay, we go and do the show. And at the end of the show, we never got paid. So um, it was one of those don't ever do it again <laughs> type, of, type of deals. And, we, you know, we've done... We've done everything from clubs to big concert stages. And towards the end, you know, it's the music industry, you know, it's hit driven. And if your song is not a big hit, the bigger your hit, the, great, the better the gigs you get. And, um, you know, towards the latter part of it, we didn't have as big, hit, our hits weren't as big. The very last tour we did was with War. You remember that? Oh, sure. Yeah. They've been and, on the show. And that was the last tour that we did. And I remember doing these, these rotating stages, circular stages, and it slowly rotates around because the room is circular.
0: <laughs> In the round.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, But, yeah, um, we had some great times. And, you know, we had, you know, you know, just like when you have a group of people together, you have issues. And so we're no different than, uh, you know, husband and wife get together. It's just two people and they have issues. So you can imagine you have a whole group of people. There are challenges in there.
0: What do you think it is about uh, funk that people gravitate towards so much? And, you know, what what to you makes the music uh, unique and special? And what does it mean to you?
1: You mean funk of, like, of our day, the music of our day?
0: Yeah, the, the, Yeah, the prime funk period if you will.
1: You know, the, the, the rhythm just, it, 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 you know, it makes your body move automatically. So, you you know, your head is bopping even if you, it's like it's almost on its, you know, it's all automatic. Um, the, the, the feel of it was just, a, you know, back at that time, it was just a, quite a nice feeling. And, um, you know, the deep, deep funk, you know, comes from the heart of the ghetto. And, um, you know, that that just had a powerful feel to it. And um, it was it was a sound that that you know everybody who did funk really tried to try to, to 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 grab that that aspect of the ghetto because that's really where where it really really came from, you know. And uh, including us, you know, and the, the, the sounds of the Isley brothers and you know um, you know the the pride and all of that stuff, that's like that's like deep ghetto. You know, that was the sound that we were all striving after to get that, that funk, you know, that feel. And, um, you know, it evolved into the hip-hop, which, which again is ghetto. And, um, and that's mainstream. That's mainstream. Like even rock is not, rock as we knew it is not. it's not mainstream.
0: <laughs> it's, why, why, why didn't funk ever go as mainstream as rap and hip-hop, do you think? Why? Yeah. Um, I
1: think, I think it's, it's the feeling. It's the feeling of it. It's like if you're walking and you hear that beat, all of a sudden you walk, it's different. You just start feeling like, hey, man, I'm it. You know? Whereas, you know, just straight music, you, you just keep walking. But when you, when you hear that feeling, it, 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 it has a, a hypnotic effect on your mind, and you really feel like you're greater than you are. You know what I'm saying? you feel powerful, you know, you're just moving with that. And that backbeat. it just,
0: it just pulls you. Is there any particular riff that you came up with in, in one of the songs um, that you guys did that you're really proud of or you think was, you know, particularly memorable, whether it's a riff or a particular part or a solo? Um,
1: yeah. I mean, there are, um, I know when I when I did this, the, my first experience in the studio. Um, when I came there as a young college kid, going into the recording studio, into the big world, I'd never been into any recording studio, even a small one. And so, as I was in there, and I went with my guitar, and I had this this app um, that gave me the overdrive sound that I wanted. Um, you know, it's it's sound that all guitar players that that have a rockish bluesy sound you want to have this sort of overdrive in there which is uh, an analog sound which like today the amp that I use I use a box amp that has digital components but the front end is two to give me that that sound and so I have the, the computer aspects of it to, so I can recall those sounds but when I was in Criteria and T said, okay, you know, i got this song, I want you to play on it, a song called Playing Games. And that was my first uh, solo playing. And I was like, you know, when he asked me to play it, because I'm here mesmerized, you know, totally dwarfed by the environment that I was in, you know, playing in this legendary studio with all of these, you know, that had so much greatness that it had been in there before me. And so I played on this song playing games I played this rockish uh, well totally rock solo with the wah wah and my sort of hendrix influence which which created quite quite a rage for people um, here in the, in the Bahamas who heard it and I was like wow who is this guitar player and so when I came I came here like there's a hero It's like how you know how do you how do you do that with the technique and all these people wanted to to take lessons from me and everything um, so I mean that's that's quite that's the most memorable moment for me because it was my first experience. You know, and here I, I'm going into the studio and it's like, you know, and I see these guys with the you know, set, the, the engineers and stuff had their little spoons and they were snorting and stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, this is the world. But my guys weren't into that. You know, the band was not into that. Um, my probably my favorite solos. Because there were a number of them. What comes to mind, best of my love, I, I love the, the, the solo work I did in that. Um, there's another one that, um, that I did on the last album, which, um, you know, like I said, as it went later, we weren't as popular. Um, there's a song called In Another Life, and the guitar solo that I did in that I really like. Um, you know, my thing was a rocky sound. Rockish blues sound, um, and so um, and I, I like what I did in everything is cool. That's 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 one of the few songs that I got to write in the band, and um, so I was influenced by Johnny Guitar Watson, mm-hmm. and um, so that 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 solo and the harmonics and and, and the stuff that I did in that, um, I quite like because. Um, you know when I when I wrote that, you know I did the, the demo um, at the house on my on my studio with the with the riffs and, and and that and it pretty much for the most part ended up being interpreted a lot like that. But it was really it was really enhanced when, when Theo played that uh, the keyboard that he played on it with his um, sort of an eighth note eighth note feel on it that that it really enhanced the the, uh, the the swing feel of it. Um, that gave it almost kind of an almost a hip hop type of element to it
0: Have have you has the band been sampled much?
1: Yeah That has been sampled um, I've heard there on YouTube there are a couple things that have been done with, with samples, and I know that um, Theo on that's love Which was I think that was on a totally connected album or other song that's love um, that song actually was ended up being recut in France and went gold. So Theo did very well with that one. Same old merry-go-round. That's love. That's a beautiful song. That, uh, Theo yeah, wrote. totally connected. Yeah. So, um, and that was that had Isley Brothers influence with the beat, um, but the chords. The chords are what makes made it different that we would use. You know, because like, like I said, Theo is quite an advanced musician, so a lot of the chords, even though we fuse them in, into pop, um, a lot of those chords in there are not, uh, I mean, fuse it into, into funk, a lot of those chords are not the type of chords you'd hear uh, normally in that style of music. Um, you know, like watching, watching All the Girls Go By, which is on the Pure Natural album, um, which has a great funk feel to it and has the Bahamian elements in it. But um, you listen to like the, the 13th chords and the six, six, nine, flat five, and all these chords that you wouldn't be hearing, wouldn't hear in pop music. Uh, those were integrated into it. And so the band, the band garnered a lot of respect from, from musicians. Um, there, were, there were comments made by Babyface and, and, and guys like that who, who were influenced by the band because musically we weren't just another band just playing a groove. We were integrating, you know, musical aspects, uh, theoretical musical aspects that were different on another level from just playing straight-ahead funk.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we had the groove, uh, but we would we would incorporate other other elements that you wouldn't usually hear. Um, in in the music at that time.
0: How did you come up, or how did it existed before you were there? So, what what is the origin of the name T Connection? Um,
1: T, as T explains it, there was a movie at that time called French Connection, mm-hmm. which he quite liked, and it's like he you know he decided to name the band um, T Connection, similar to that. And um, yeah, that's that's how it happened.
0: Now, did you use a lot of foot pedals? You mentioned some Wah Wah. Uh, are you a pedal guy or?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd have I have my overdrive pedal, um, chorus, a um, couple other types of distortion, Wah Wah, and um, now I have. The amplifier they have they have what they call amplifier modeling. So, um, and within it, because like I said, it's 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 a um, hybrid between tube technology and modern technology, so that I can recall my sounds. You know, they actually have presets that are called BB King, Van Halen, um, Clapton. You know, so you pull up these presets and then you can tweak them, and um, and save them. And so on my Vox amp, what I do is um, I have a foot, foot pedal, so I don't have a bunch of individual pedals. I have a foot switch that allows me to pull up the sounds um, that, that, I, that are pre-programmed into the amp, uh, which is pretty cool. I, I mean, I'm still I'm looking at trying out the Line 6 or the DigiTech because now they have ones that have everything in it. And actually you can even hook up hook it to your computer and USB and access more controls and, and set your presets differently. Because I do the thing that I do miss is having the my volume on the foot pedal. And I, I always use that because then I can control the amplifier gain without affecting the sound. Because all of the sound processing comes prior to the amplifier. So I have everything processed and I'm just feeding the amp what I want the amp to get. So the challenge I find now is because I don't have the volume pedal, and if I put a volume pedal, it would affect the sound because the sound comes after the pedal. So a a lot of times when I go to play now, I have to go and rush and put my hand behind the amp and turn it up louder or turn it down because I try to anticipate by pre-programming the volume, but it's not always right. The situations are different. And so I end up having to, you know, sometimes I'm too loud, but um, other times I'm, you know, I'm off. But sometimes I get it just right. So,
0: yeah. Dave, so, you know, I, I think there's been a bit of a resurgence, if you will, of old school funk and the old school uh, bands from that era. You know, there's these festivals that are going on now, and there's cruises, yeah. and there's things like that, which We're is— ours. Which Bruce
1: is, Mars has brought the '80s back, man.
0: Bruno <laughs> Mars, huh?
1: Yeah, his his um, uptown funk—that's straight from our era. Yeah, it's straight from our era, and it's it's massive. And um, I think that that's the first video I think that's that's gone to like two billion, I think, views on YouTube. Um, yeah. that's fun. That's that's like. The only difference is, you know, the recording technology is better, but that's straight out from from the '80s, like what we used to play.
0: Yeah. So to me, so like, think, we, to me, so like, I think it, it is, but it's not as good, but it is good
1: it's and good. to Bring it back. It's it's good, and he's got a couple other songs that sound like they came right out of the '80s. Yeah.
0: So, are you guys maybe gonna ever come play some uh, stateside shows or?
1: You know, the opportunity hasn't opened itself up. Um, you know, time has passed on, and, you know, I don't know um, to what extent we would, you know, we would be a draw or where we'd be a draw. Um, it certainly wouldn't be like when we did, did the concerts in the Bahamas. In the past, um, let's see, 2003, in the past, what, 16 years, 17 years? Um, 13 14 years. We've done about six or seven reunion concerts. And um, you know, each each of the ones that we've done, with the exception of the last one, they were all like very, very packed. And we had, you know, we have like all sides all sides of government there, you know. The prime Minister. The last prime minister was at every concert we've ever done in Nassau, with the exception of the of the final one that we did. And the last one that we did, we didn't, we didn't get the draw—it was a different type of pricing scheme and everything. That like the price of the tickets were like triple what they normally would be, and that's you know the promoters to do. Um, but we didn't get the the showing that we got at the previous ones. So um, you know, you know, don't know. Maybe is it is it too much of a good thing, or is it the you know the packaging? You know, so
0: I'm seeing these ship you know, these bills that have, you know, Lakeside and you know, civil acts together. I'm just thinking, you know, why not take connection there too? I mean, we probably could,
1: you know, I think we could probably fit in to some of those and you know, depending on, on, on where it is, you know. Lakeside was huge. I remember that 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 uh, fantastic voyage was like a massive piece of music.
0: Good stuff. It is. Yeah, great stuff. So, how can folks uh listening or watching kind of keep up with David Mackey and stay in tune with what you're doing?
1: Um, well, people who like T Connection, there is a T Connection fan page that I created on Facebook that gets a lot of activity. It's called T Connection Fans. Um, you know, you can reach you can reach us through there. We've gotten people who are asking. Where we'll perform, and we have people who really love the group. Um, and on YouTube, there's, we, there's not a T Connection cha- channel, but there's a lot of our music there and, and, and quite a long bit, long uh, line of commentary by people who really like the band. Uh, myself, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. My company's page is Mackie Media, that's uh, M A C K E Y. Media Limited, and um, that's on there because my present work now is advertising, and marketing, PR. I do a lot of television commercials. Um, I do all of the K- KFC ads for this island. <clears throat> KFC, Pizza Hut. Um, we've done. Uh, there's a big home home center here that we do commercials for. Um, quite a number of of uh, clients we have that we. Produce and shoot and do the commercials with a lot of it we do in our studio We've got a studio that has the green wall like what's behind me before before I had that studio I would come downstairs here, and that's why that wall is green like that and um, shot a couple commercials down here Um, and um, Yeah, so they can reach me. I'm on Facebook as David Mackey, and I'm also Mackey media T connection would be the, the easiest bet Go to T Connection fans and, um, and, and touch bases with me. And if you want to reach out to Theo or any of the other bands, um, they're not as tech savvy as as I am uh, because I'm you know I do social media marketing and, and advertising campaigns and that type of thing. So, but I can certainly reach out to the guys. Uh, Theo is he is on Facebook, um, but not not that often. But he is there. Um, as far as the other guys, um, Pat Carey, who's with Bahaman, who sang on a number of our albums, and he toured with us. Um, he's on Facebook. Again, not as much as, as I am. Um, I have I have a couple clips of us in concert um, on that page. Um, actually, i actually on Vimeo, through video. Uh, there's a there's a clip with us doing Best of My Love, and then there's actually some clips with Theo with some of his original compositions that that he's done. Uh, more not 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 um, pop, but uh, like there's a ragtime piece that he's done, mm-hmm. and there's other stuff that he's done. He did do an album. Um, I can't remember the name of. It. He did he did a couple albums actually instrumental, with uh, limited vocals in it. And um, he lives out in L.A. now, along with his brother. Kirk lives in L.A., and he's married, and um, his brother is out there. And they play every now and then they get to play together, but they they don't actually work together. They play in different bands.
0: So on those commercials that you do now, do you have any input or say on the music they use for those commercials?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, Some of them I actually create jingles for. Uh-huh. Uh, in the early in the early days i used to do a lot of jingles for kfc not so much now uh budgets budgets are constrained economy is stressed um so but yeah i um now pretty much i will end up um taking there are there are some sites that have uh, license free music and there's one that i subscribe to so i'll pull up you know music that will work like today i need it Certain type of feel, you could put in the type of words, and you have guys who create music for it, um, which I may end up doing some too, and selling some, you know, background music. Um, but I mean, I'm so busy these days with uh, with advertising and, and, and that. And then uh, my real fun treat is is the band, and this band that I have is you can, you can find us there too, called Uppercut 242. We have a Facebook page. We, once a month, we do an outdoor concert at a place here called the Dive-In, which is on a marina with yachts and, and, uh, and everything. It's, it's a place where they, they take people out to swim with dolphins and also to do shark dives and also to become certified as a diver. So once a month, the last Saturday of the month, we do a, uh, an open-air outdoor concert um, for locals and expats you know who, who actually crave to hear some of the music from from our era and hear hear something different and not just hear the same music that they hear that most of the bands play
0: mm-hmm. yeah. well david it's been so great catching up with you and reflecting on t-connections great contribution to uh you know music and Funk and R and B and disco and all the great albums and songs, and so glad that you're still out there and and doing it and doing what you do and uh, thank you so much for spending time and sharing those stories.
1: It's been great, and uh, yeah, you know we've been, I know you've been reaching out to me for the past month or so, or even longer, I think it has been. And uh, hunt you down. I'll hunt you down. (laughs) (laughs) Your persistence has has paid off. It's finally happened, and uh, it's been great. I love your room back there. A lot of a lot of history in back there.
0: Thank you, thank you. you
1: know, our initial plan was to do it in my studio, but um, you know it didn't happen. Uh, but we got it done. It's because it's all about the information.
0: You know? We got green for all the money.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I hope I hope it starts to come soon. I'm waiting <laughs> on
0: <laughs> All right, so. With that, uh, we're going to close this edition of Truth and Rhythm. Thank you again for all the listeners and viewers. And again, thank you to David Mackey from T-Connection, guitarist supreme. Um, And uh, I want to remind listeners and viewers, if there's a musical artist that you want to see, email me at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Or if you're an artist that wants to be on the show, do the same. We'll try to get you on. So as always, until next time, this is Scott, Dr. GX Goldfein. And for David Mackey from T-Connection, Signing off and saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.
1: Hey, hey. All right, Scott, it's been great.